Pushkin. You can find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. And right from the start, they turned to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Before we get started, let's talk about Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a subscription podcast program available on Apple Podcasts. Members will get access to exclusive bonus content, like my weekly bookmarks, where I talk about how I got a book agent and what I'm watching on TV that week. You'll get uninterrupted listening to many of your favorite podcasts, like Revisionist History, Cautionary Tales, and The Happiness Lab. Sign up for Pushkin Plus on the show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm. Celebrating and spotlighting and expanding stories about Black women, I know that is my purpose here. That is the thing that makes the writing worth it because writing is hard. (laughs) It is hard. (laughs) Yes. Zeba Blay is a writer and pop culture critic who centers Black life in everything she writes. She's also the force behind the hashtag carefreeblackgirl, which has taken on a life of its own. It's part activism, part mantra, part safe space. She released a book of essays named after her viral hashtag in 2021, and it was our February book club pick. Welcome to Well-Read Black Girl, the literary kickback you didn't even know you needed. I'm your host, Glory Edom. Each week, I sit in conversation with one of my favorite authors. We talk about the craft of writing and, of course, what it means to be well-read. On today's episode, Ziba and I talk about how she handled her mental health journey, how the internet shaped her writing, and how intentionality is a bomb for her work. Welcome, Ziva. How are you? Just very excited to see your face and be talking to you because you know I'm a stan, so yeah. (laughs) 
Do you remember when you first started writing? Do you remember like the first thing that you wrote that like really made you feel brave? So I come from a family of writers. My father's a journalist in Ghana. My mom was a journalist. Everyone is a writer. So I grew up always knowing that this was a form of expression that I was innately plugged into. There was something in my lineage that made it easy for me back then. Now it's not so easy. (laughs) But I started writing when I was like 10, like little short stories. I would like read the Babysitter's Club and then like make my own version of that kind of stuff. But I think when I first really began to like find my voice was the internet, you know, discovering the internet and discovering sites like Zanga and Live Journal was a really, really big one for me. I started my Live Journal when I was 15 and I ended it when I was like 21. And it's so crazy because my voice hasn't really changed a lot, which I find very interesting. And so it was on Live Journal and Tumblr and those kind of spaces where I really started to develop a sense of myself and especially a sense of myself in relation to pop culture. When when you say like your live journal hasn't changed much, what do you mean in particular? Is there a tone that you still em- embody when you write? Well, for one thing, it's all very sad. <laughs> and I think that I'm a sad writer. And I realized I'm like, wow, like I've been using writing as a way to heal since I was a teenager and I didn't even know it. So there's a lot of themes about just what I'm going through and the art that I was being drawn to as a way to deal with that pain. But then I find that like I can be really dry and sort of snarky in a way that I don't even realize. And then reading back some of these entries, I was like, oh, this girl had opinions about things, you know? And it's like, I would suggest to any writer listening to this, like, I know people cringe thinking about their old writing, but just go back and see who you were. It's so revealing about a lot of things. And like, it's been a really cool experience, actually. I definitely have like tons and tons of journals from when I was in primary school and high school. And and it's true, like you go back and it's like the essence of who you are at like 14, 15, 16, it's it's still there, even as an adult. But I want to talk more about just um, mindset. This might sound a little silly, but I really think there's like a Ziva aesthetic. Like I love watching you on social. It it really is, girl. It's like, it's just so, because it's so bright and vivid and authentic. It's like all of you in your joy and in your pain. And it feels very effortless, but I know it's not. I know that you are so intentional about what you share. Can you talk about that intentionality and how you're able to do it? I see myself as many things. I'm a writer, but I'm also a curator, you know, in a sense. That's what I'm doing on my Instagram page. I'm a Taurus. I'm very sensual. I love beauty. These are the fundamentals of my personality. And these are the ways in which I make sense of the world, make sense of my life and find that joy amidst the pain. My, my next book is about being of a generation where we literally saw the internet grow. We grew with it, right? Mm-hmm. And when we first interacted with this place, it was about chat room. It was it was about connection. It was about, hey, yeah. like, what's this weird thing? And, and we are the only generation who really had a complete perspective of th- that journey from a place of connection to a place of commodification. How do I commodify myself? How do I brand myself? You know, we're constantly told as as creative people, as writers, that you have to have a presence on the internet in order to have a career. 
I question that. Like, I'm like, is that true? Or is that something we're just being told so that we play the game? The internet for me has always been about connection. There was a point like two years ago when I was just like, what is this for? Like, I just have anxiety. What is this place? Like a place for me to go and feel anxious about posting a selfie. Like this is not the connection that I'm looking for. And so it was through that discomfort and trying to figure out a way to get that same vibe I had as a kid and a teenager people will send me, you know, messages about how these images have meant so much to them. And I love to hear that. And I think the gag for me is that the same, <laughs> you know, like yeah. this is also feeding me as much as it's feeding other people. And that's the thing that I go to the internet for. And again, like I can post these images about what it means to struggle with your mental health and then get hundreds of messages from black women who are like, wow, girl, same. Thank you so yeah. much. I feel seen. That is what I think keeps me online. No, I'm the same way. I mean, the community and the response and the engagement, it fortifies you in such a real way. You speak to that clearly in your introduction. Mm-hmm. I have your book here is like highlighted, sis, like all, all the tabs. And there is this one line that like stood out to me and you say, All this to say, the essays in this book came together as I fell apart. And writing about Black women is the thing that put me together again, that got me through, that helped me become reacquainted with the concept of joy and freedom. And I think that's all which we're speaking to, that Black women, us together collectively, uplift each other, encourage each other, help us see the vision and affirm one another when it all seems bleak and dark and at times hopeless, you know? I would love to speak to that experience of just like the collective love that we have for one another and how you've been able to not only create this beautiful book and this career, but how your mental health has been able to be boosted, you know? Mm -hmm. And it feels like a simple thing, but it can be life-saving. Yeah. Yeah, it really can. For for me, more than anything, what it, it gives me is purpose. Being someone who is in a state of depression, in a state of anxiety, I need purpose to sort of center myself amidst that storm, you know? Like, I know ultimately when I write, it's something ancestral, it's something bigger than me. And centering my writing specifically on celebrating and spotlighting and just like expanding stories about Black women, I know that is my purpose. And that's the thing that makes the writing worth it. Because writing is hard. (laughs) It is hard. (laughs) Yes. If you don't have that thing that makes it worth it, and that thing could be whatever, though I I see now more than ever, it can't be money. It can't be clout. That can't be the reason that you write. It's not sustainable. It has to be about something outside of you, something that's not tied at all to your ego. And I think in the moments when I'm like the least attached to my ego, I'm able to see through my pain and my depression and get to the the heart of the matter. We'll be back with more from Ziba Blay. find inspiring stories almost anywhere. For instance, check out the co-founders of Girls Who Do Interiors. This Miami-based design company was started by three friends when they were still in school. 
And right from the start, they turned to Chase for business, for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards. And they handled them all in one place with the Chase mobile app. It's so important to have that kind of help when you're just starting out. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. I'm Glory Adam, and you're listening to Well-Read Black Girl. Today, I'm talking to author Zeba Blay, whose 2021 debut book, Carefree Black Girls, A Celebration of Black Women in Pop Culture, is a thought-provoking series of essays centered on Black life. I want to talk about, uh, you mentioned curation earlier, Mm -hmm. and I agree, you are a wonderful curator, and I loved how you set up these essays. Can you talk about the structure and why you decided to start off with bodies and then close with free of cares? Mm. Uh, Can you talk about the process of putting it together and what motivated you? It was definitely a process because some of these essays, I didn't even want to be in the book. Or like, because there were like, there's like four more essays that could have been in the book. It was kind of like a puzzle to figuring out what made sense in this overall theme that felt like it only made sense in my head. Initially, the book was going to start with the Cardi B chapter. Mm-hmm. And then it just felt like it made more sense to start with the bodies because I feel like when we talk about the Black women in pop culture, the body is often such a huge part of that discussion. And so I sort of wanted mm-hmm. to have that set the tone. And then I always knew that Free of Cares was going to be the last chapter in the book because I was building towards what Carefree Black Girls even means. Um, And I like that it's the last chapter that I wrote. It was the hardest chapter that I wrote. It is a chapter that is definitely doing a lot of things. It is, it is, but it's it's working. For those who haven't (laughs) read the book yet, can you give us like a summary of that closing chapter? um, That closing chapter uh, opens talking about the phrase, I'm free, white, and 21. Uh, that used to be a staple in old Hollywood movies. And then from there, we moved to talking about the Carefree Black Girl movement itself, you know, what that even was, what hashtags even do. Then we go into talking about Breonna Taylor and her presence on the internet online, and then the memification of her name and like grappling with whether that actually means justice. I think for me, like Carefree Black Girls was a hashtag that when it became very popular a few years ago, there was a lot of critique of it, you know, and it was that critique of it that I was interested in. I'm less interested in the girl with the 3C hair and the crochet top and the flower crown. Like that is one thing. But I want to talk about why that image is even conjured up for some people, you know. So the chapter is really just a meditation on what it 
means to be free in a society that is fundamentally unfree, you know? And that's a big question um, that yeah. I don't fully answer, but I like that, you know? No, I, I think what that chapter does too is just open up all these different possibilities. And again, you talk about so many things and you close with the Kambahi River Collective and this idea of, you know, the destruction of all systems of oppression. And then you plainly say that destruction begins with me. Um, I love that kind of just like freedom on the page because you're asking questions that you don't know the answers to necessarily, but you're not afraid to ask them nonetheless, you know? Yeah. And I like that you said that freedom on the page, because I think the whole time I was writing this book, I was trying to be free on the page. And I knew that I was holding myself back. And I was in that chapter that I feel like I finally let go a little bit. I feel like when it comes to your criticism, when it comes to your vulnerability, you have a clarity about who you are. How did you cultivate that honesty and that clarity? You know, I've thought about that a lot in the time since the book has come out. Because when I write, I just write, I just have to like keep going. You know, I can't look back. And I think that's part of why I'm able to do that because Anytime that I write, I'm trying to be honest. I'm not even trying to be good. I'm just trying to be honest with myself. And um, honesty takes an ability to let the thing out and not dwell on it, you know? Mm -hmm. So there's that. I think also being vulnerable for me hasn't always been about bravery, but has been more about survival. Like I grew up in a family where everything was hidden. No one talked about how they felt or what they were going through. And now in my adulthood, I can look back and see the damage that that did personally to myself, to my family, and the damage that that does to all of us. And so there was a point in my life as a writer where I knew that if I didn't share what I was grappling with, what I was thinking about, what my days where I would die, you know, to be quite honest. And so for me, it's always been about resisting the need to disappear, you know? Mm. I I think that that's a, it's such a brave testimony to your work. And I, I'd be curious to hear if you would define it this way, but I do feel like your work serves as a type of activism. Um, and I'm thinking of the piece that you did about the woman who made the false allegation. In the park? Yes. That piece was bookmarked, okay? <laughs> but what you wrote was so pointed and like very clear, like your stance, your ideology, how you felt about the situation, but also the facts of the case. I mean, even the title of it was Amy Cooper knew exactly what she was doing. Can you speak to like what motivated you to write that and how you were able to really encourage other people to like, hey, this isn't okay. Yeah. Like, we can't let this happen. That was written at HuffPost. I was there for about five or six years. And that was a time in my life as a writer when I was writing a lot of think pieces and quick hits on sort of like the racism of the day. And often I made myself feel as if I had to explain, you know, mm. that, that essay could have literally just been one sentence. Like it was a sentence I knew that had to be in there. It was like, white people are aware of racism. Like they know yes. it exists. And right. they actively participate in it. And that situation was a prime example. So let's stop playing games. I'm going to write this piece and I'm going to call you out. Yes. You know? Yes. 
And that was a piece that I'm really proud of, actually, if we talk about pride, because I was like, I'm done explaining. I'm tired of explaining. We explained all of 2014, 2015, 26, and y- y'all don't care. <laughs> right, right. So call a thing you a thing. You had the reckoning. Yeah. yeah. I'm the same way, too. Like I like to be uncomfortable at times, to be uncertain, because what those moments and those feelings lead to are real transformation. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't know something, that means you have to go out and seek it yeah. and understand and really sit with it. And to take it back to your book, I feel that like it's okay for you not to have this like perfect mm-hmm. understanding of something. You can learn. Mm-hmm. You can learn it and, and like become a better self. Exactly. Um, what are the things you feel like you're still learning? What's inspiring you right now? Mm. I think as a writer, I am still learning how to let go. I think when I write, I have a long process of just like getting over myself so that I can get to the page. And it was very difficult in writing this book and it's getting a little easier, but it's a process. Letting go is a process. I'm learning how to mother myself, take care of myself. And I, I want to like write more books. I want to, you know, write TV shows. I want to write movies and that is this whole new world that I'm entering that I'm figuring out. I think those are the main things that I'm learning, but there's like a lesson every day, you know? Hi, I'm Ziba Blay and you're listening to Well-Read Black Girl. I've interviewed many successful people over the years, and one thing I find fascinating is many of them don't consider themselves business savvy. Take the owners of Tight Knit Brewing. They turn to Chase for Business for everything from banking and payment acceptance to credit cards and do all of it in one place with the Chase mobile app. And that's helped these brew-loving friends turn a passion into a business. Learn more at chaseforbusiness.com. Make more of what's yours. Chase Mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A., member FDIC. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Okay, it's time for rapid fire. Uh-uh, okay. Okay, okay. So we're going to just ask you a bunch of questions and... Just like first answer that comes to mind. First one, favorite character from the TV show Girlfriends and why? Oh, okay. Joan. I I know people don't like Joan for whatever reason, but I just like a goofy black girl, you know? Oh, that's good. Okay. Name three items on your desk. One is a little triptych tarot spread that my friend Kevin gave me and then I have a copy of Carefree Black Girls because that's like my motivation to be like girl you wrote a book and then I have an hourglass that I like to use because I'm a procrastinator oh that's so good maybe I need a it's hourglass. helpful oh favorite Ghanaian dish oh, oh, oh my god 
how can I choose? Oh, okay. So favorite definitely is uh, Benkwen okra soup. And mm-hmm. then probably red red, which is plantains and beans. And fufu, of course. Who doesn't love fufu? Yeah. I know. Fufu's so good. I love how I I'm know. answering I'm, like I'm... five answers to all your questions. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, name a movie that never gets old that you can watch over and over and over and over again. Probably... Jumanji. (laughs) Not so cute. Waiting to exhale. What is better, the book or the movie? Okay, this is this is tricky. I'm gonna have to say the movie's better. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tang. I know it's. I know it's so hard because like Angela Bassett, Whitney Houston. Yeah, like it's just yeah. The visuals are so, and then the soundtrack. Like all of it. Just a great story. Maybe we'll just bring you back for every episode. <laughs> we'll like talk about every book and every movie. Oh my goodness. Well, I'm so, I'm, again, I'm so happy. I'm like, you are a part of our community forever and always. I'm so glad that you're on our first season of our podcast. And like, it, it's just, I'm really, really grateful for your work and just for you, just like you as a person, as a human, <laughs> like I'm grateful. Thank you for having me. Whenever I talk with Ziba, I'm reminded how important it is to tell your story, no matter how scary it can be. As Black women, we need to take care of ourselves and continue to create spaces where we take care of each other. Ziba shows us how we put ourselves back together through literature, one page at a time. Her debut book, Carefree Black Girls, A Celebration of Black Women in Pop Culture, is out now. In our next episode, I'll be joined by author Disha Filial. Well Read Black Girl is a production of Pushkin Industries. It is written and hosted by me, Glory Edom, and produced by Cher Vincent and Brittany Brown. Our associate editor is Keisha Williams. Our engineer is Amanda K. Wang. And our showrunner is Sasha Mathias. Our executive producers are Mia Lobel and Lee Tall Molad. At Pushkin, thanks to Heather Fain, Carly Migliori, Jason Gambrell, Julia Barton, Jen Guerra, John Schnars, and Jacob Weisberg. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at WellReadBlackGirl. You can find Pushkin on all social media platforms at Pushkin Pods. And you can sign up for our newsletter at pushkin.fm. If you love this show and others from Pushkin Industry, consider subscribing to Pushkin Plus. Pushkin Plus is a podcast subscription that offers bonus content and uninterrupted listening for $4.99 a month. Look for Pushkin Plus on Apple Podcast subscriptions. And if you're already a subscriber, make sure to check out my exclusive bookmark series on Pushkin Plus starting on February 18th. You'll hear extended interviews with book club members, bookstore owners, and more. And you get to hear what's on my mind, what's on my radar, and of course, what's on my reading list each week. To find more Pushkin podcasts, listen on iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you like to listen.
the tradition of breaking tradition continues with the return of the unconventional awards from T-Mobile for Business at Mobile World Congress. This is an event that celebrates innovators whose bold actions took their industries to new places. If that sounds like you and you're a T-Mobile for Business customer, enter today. If you win, you'll be publicly honored amongst some of the most influential leaders in industry and me. I'll be there too. Enter now at tmobile.com slash unconventional awards. See you there.